But after a period of time, and it's not so long, you know, those angels that come to our rescue, they have to go back to their normal life. And that's what we're starting to see now, where, you know, the media moves on, the volunteers have to get back to their, their regular life, you know, other things happen. And we're all still here. And we're, and, and, and nothing's any better. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading north to Lismore, a town which has been in the news in Australia and all around the world for devastating floods that came through not once, but again. Uh, we're chatting to Brad Rickard, who owns three restaurants in Lismore. Brad, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. Thanks for uh, having a chat today. Well, I'm... Um, you know, Lismore was all over the news and then as you can, as is predictable in this, you know, short, fierce news cycle that we have, it's dropped off a little bit. But I'm sure you're still in the thick of it and, you know, it's important to, yeah, stay in touch, stay engaged with um, the, the the long process of recovery. How are things in Lismore at the moment? Uh, look, tough. Um so for a lot of the business community and a lot of the uh, residential community down in the, the low areas, the flood-affected areas, there's uh, still a lot of people without electricity. Um, so, you know, just in reference to, to our own situation, our three venues um, still without electricity at the moment. So we've been unable to really uh, commence any sort of construction or, or rebuilding process. Um, it took probably close to six weeks for like the electricity provider to, to do the, the main repairs. And now we're going through the, the task of rewiring circuit boards and, um, you know, circuits as required. So we're, we're two months in, we've got no power. Um, so I suppose that's one of the first hurdles. Um, around the town in general, uh, there's a lot of boarded up shops, uh, probably say 95% or more. Um, yeah, I think what people probably don't understand is that every every business um, in Lismore was affected. There was, there was very, you know, <laughs> you would have been lucky if there was one or 2% that, that weren't flooded. So... It's pretty devastating. Um, the piles of rubbish have been picked up for the most part, um, which I don't know, like, you know, it's a relief in one sense, but it does allow you to see through past the piles of rubbish into the into the actual damage and the, and the work that, you know, lays, lays in front of us. I mean, it just sounds absolutely devastating and actually impossible to continue with life, I mean, with so many businesses closed, I mean, how is daily life continuing if, if it is? Uh, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's impossible to sort of explain to people from afar um, the extent of the damage and destruction. So, you know, you see it on the news, um, yeah, and, and we, we see tragedies around the world all the time on the news, but the reality is until you're standing there in front of it, you know, looking at it, smelling it, you know, seeing it, it you can't really comprehend 
So it's, you know, it, it looks bad on TV and it's 10 times worse in real life. Um, in terms of the way forward, I mean, you know, we've, you know, as a business, we, we run the three venues. We've got 30 staff. You know, I had to make the decision to, you know, encourage the team to go and get jobs where they can um, because, you know, the timeline for recovery is um, unknown. And, you know, th- those, are, those are the team. You know, I've got a, an amazing team. So, you know, very, very qualified, very sought after. So they've, they've all, you know, the ones that want to jump straight back into work, they've fell into, into work no problem. Um, a few are choosing to have a bit of time off. Um, but for myself and other business owners, we're sort of stuck at the moment. There's a lot of, you know, business owners in general, small business owners, we, you know, we do what we do because we like solving problems. We've got high energy levels, you know, we're hard workers. And, so our natural instinct is to want to jump in and, and get to work and start fixing things, making decisions, you know, moving forward, whatever that, you know, those choices are in individually. But at the moment we're sort of hamstrung by a lot of, um, a lot of moving parts that are beyond our control. So, you know, yeah, electricity and services, um, you know, plumbing, stuff like that. Um, there's insurance and whilst you know insurance isn't a realistic option for a lot of people in in Lismore um you know just it's too cost prohibitive because it's on a floodplain um a lot of you know potential grants or um assistance that you know may be available or may not be available through the government uh can hinge on um, you know, getting that uh, rejection letter from you, your insurance company, which, of course, you know, we're two months in. A lot of people haven't seen hydrology reports, so we're sort of waiting on, you know, insurance outcomes. So, um, you know, the, the government has has announced, um, you know, a number of grants for residents and businesses, um, like small businesses predominantly. Um, we don't currently qualify for a small business grant because of our staffing levels being above the threshold. Um, so, you know, there has been announcements on on grants beyond the small business, like up to medium and, you know, large businesses. But, you know, they were announced five weeks ago, um, but purely just an announcement. So nothing's actually happened about that. Um, and whilst, you know, we shouldn't base our decision um, to reopen, you know, purely on, you know, what assistance we can receive. It is it is an important part um, of the rebuild because the reality with Lismore um, or in, in, any, in any business district or any area, when, when disaster like this happens, there's just not uh, – there's not enough private capital to be able to undertake a rebuild – at, at a private level, so yeah, no, no one's sitting on the hundreds of thousands or the millions of dollars required, you know, to for an unforeseen natural disaster, you know, of this scale. So we are sort of 
um, you know, we've got no power, we've got no word from insurance, no word from the government. You know, it's hard, hard or impossible to access trades, um, you know, supplies with trades, you know, every week, you know, every day, every month that goes by, you know, our, our staff, you know, move further away, you know, and maybe, maybe become harder to get back um, as, as they get on with life. So there's, there's a lot of challenges in front of us. Um, and as a business owner, it's hard to know where to start, to be honest. How are you coping with this incredible uncertainty that's just everywhere you look? That Well, there's no answers no matter which direction you look. Oh, I won't lie to you. I'd love to be able to say um, that I'm doing well under the circumstances. Unfortunately, it's not the case. It's It's been really hard. Um, I suppose to try and try and do the things that I know that I can do. Try and fill in some time with uh, things that I enjoy. Um, and then also, you know, like we're, we're two months in, zero income. We've still got bills to pay. We've got mortgage, mortgages. I've got a family. So, you know, we're, you know, in light of the fact that we, we don't have the information to make decisions and realistically the the repairs are so extensive that we need to undertake on the buildings that, you know, we're months away um, from any potential reopening. You know, we're starting to hit the job ads and think, okay, well, how do we, how do we feed the kids and um, keep the lights on? But somehow try and remain available enough to undertake the reconstruction, you know, into the future. So how am I doing? Geez, pretty average, I'd say. Um, Just doing it, getting by. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to tell you about that. Tell us about the three businesses, Brad. So our, our largest venue is uh, the Bank Cafe. Um, that's been running for over 10 years. We've, we've been running it for, for eight. And that's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a mainstay in the community amongst, you know, some of the other really large cafes. Um, probably about 85 to 100 seats. Um, full service, sort of breakfast, lunch, seven days. Um, yeah, in an old, hundred-year-old bank building, hence the name, the bank. So we wash wash the dishes out in the old strong room. Um, an offshoot to that is our piggy bank, which is a grab-and-go sort of CBD lunchtime sort of food, Monday to Friday, um, fast and furious style sort of thing, um, which we prepare in the cafe and then deliver it on site to um, service the, the business community. And then we have our casual fine dining restaurant, the Loft Restaurant, which um, has been awarded uh, Australian Good Food Guide Chef's Hat the past four years, um, which we're really proud of. That's probably seats about 45 people 
Um, we just do Wednesday to Saturday nights there, and it's a small team. They work together for the whole week and and have grown together over the years. So, you know, in, in the cafe, it's a, it's a big building, big four-metre ceilings, um, set on one of the highest spots in town. We, we had 3.6 metres um, of water in that venue, and the piggy bank and the loft um, both received five metres of water. So the loft, the whole building pretty much in its entirety um, went underwater, unfortunately. So, yeah, the whole lot went swimming. It's in one of the, one of the lowest spots in town, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so we've got three, three businesses there. We've got 30 people off, off work. Yeah, just devastating. Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, it's um, you can I can hear as you speak about those businesses, and you know, as with all small businesses and all restaurants and cafes, you know, there is so much that goes into running them day to day and week to week and year to year. And you know, you, of course, your your precious staff. It must be just so just so devastating to see them disappear. It is. It's, yeah, the staff are devastated, especially the core staff. Like, you know, we all know, I mean, this is a hospitality blog, so, you know, any listener will know the sort of churn rate on staff in in hospitality, but we're really proud of the fact that we've been in business for like eight years and our average staff turnover is about six. Um. Like and and we started with the cafe, we moved to the restaurant, and then we started the offshoot, like the the takeaway venue from the cafe, and you know we were running a coffee distribution business at one point as well. And so what, yeah, you know, what I essentially created was too much work for myself, and that allowed me to to you know really lean on the team, and you know with. With, with amazing people around us. Like we we built this amazing, you know, these amazing businesses and, you know, the, like all of the senior managers were on, you know, profit share. So it, w- it was more than just a job for a lot of people. There was, you know, you know our contracts were sort of deemed as non-equity partnerships. And so, you know, whilst I retained all the risk and all of, you know, the the capital, you know, these guys were getting shares in profits and, you know, really well rewarded on a week-to-week basis as well for the industry and certainly in regional um, New South Wales. So, you know, these guys have all taken a hit not only on their career progression, you know, their bank accounts um, and just like we created this, enormous amazing family where we were able to you know get through a lot of challenges that a lot of teams don't you know because we're all very committed to one another so it's it's sad sad for all of us my history in Lismore so I'm originally a Melbourne boy um grew up in Melbourne um I'm actually a diesel mechanic by trade which people sort of laugh at when they hear that. But um, been in Lismore for 10 years and uh, spent a couple of years 
fluffing around, hitting the coast, surfing after, you know, having a big stint of working as a tradesperson and, you know, doing various traveling and bits and pieces. And I'd worked hospitality like a lot of people off and on. Um, and I just saw, a, I wanted to get into business and I saw an opportunity that I thought I could bring a bit of, um, you know, I, I wouldn't like to say that the Lismore Cafe scene was tired um, because I think, you know, every, everyone does well in their own right. But I saw an opportunity to, to bring something from the outside in and really thought I could make a go of it. And, and we did. And, you know, we we nearly tripled the revenue of the cafe. When we took over the restaurant, we nearly tripled the revenue there. Um, we've been able to start another venue from scratch. Um, so, look, you know, as, as, a, as a small business owner and especially a hospitality business, you know, cafe primarily in a small country town, um, you become a really big part of the town. You know, you, you don't, you know, you're sharing with all the sports clubs and the fundraisers, you know, you're donating vouchers, you're attending, you're, you're, you're a big part of the, the scene and, and it's a really re- rewarding um, business to, to, to run in a country town or any community for that matter. But um, especially in country towns, I think, you know, the hairdresser and the barista, uh, you know, are leaned on by, you know, many a people in the community for a for a chat and a shoulder to cry on at times. Well, I mean, yeah, that's it. And I feel like, you know, a place like the bank is, you know, if it was open now, you know, you'd people would be there in community, you know, sharing their hard stories, supporting one another. Um, those businesses are so important when when the community goes through something like this but of course the thing that you've all gone gone through means that it can't be yeah and there's not really any other options um a few places have popped up you know selling coffee with generators and you know slowly clawing back you know some muffins here or banana bread there or something but um yeah there isn't that place for people to meet and to sort of forget for a little while, like the cafes, because it's this old bank building. It's um, it's not El Fresco. Like we we occupy the laneway next to the building for our outdoor dining, you know, which has its own really great appeal. But when you walk in and close the door, you could be anywhere. It's a really welcoming environment. It's it's a very safe and open environment. Um, and it's a place where you can just go and disappear and forget. And, you know, although the town is in ruins, you know, if, if we had those doors open and people could come and sit down, you'd sit down for an hour or two and you'd, you'd forget until you walked out the door again. Sort of like when you walk out of the cinema during the day and you're sort of blinded by the light and you're like, oh, geez, I forgot about that. Um, the cafe really offers offers that place to sort of escape. Um, so it's, it's a shame. You know, there's a lot of, lot of great messages come through constantly from customers. You know, like we're storing a lot of our equipment in customers' businesses and garages and things like that. 
Um, you know, because, you know, we're a big part of their lives. They're a big part of our lives. Um, we know everyone by name. We know what they drink. They know what they eat. We, you know, we know what school the kids go to. We know where they went on holidays because they sent us post- postcards. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're all missing that. We're all missing that deeply. There's been talk about shifting at least some of Lismore to higher ground. I mean, tell us about that part of the conversation. Yeah. Look, I can see the sense in it, like, but I can't see how, how it'll work. Um, and, I mean, the timeline's on shifting, uh, you know, a town of 25,000 people is is long and so people have to get on with it like between now and then like I'm, I'm not opposed yeah i'm sure that any future developments will be high and dry but yeah in in the in the immediate term like yeah you've got thousands of businesses that are affected you know self-employed that um you know employ thousands and thousands of people that have to make a go of it now. So whilst, you know, I don't even know how the logistics of that would work. You know, you've got property owners with, you know, what up until a couple of months ago, you know, were quite valuable assets. You know, how do you say to those business owners, the property owners, oh, well, look, you know, we'll build you a new shop It'll be ready in ten years if you want to hang about. Like I don't, I don't know how you how you shift a town, and and shifting a town like that. I mean, that's a twenty or thirty year process for a, for a town the size of Lismore. So I don't, I, I I understand, you know, the the question being raised, but I also don't understand. Like I don't really know how logistically it would happen. Mm. I mean. Y- can you let's say you got the insurance money through tomorrow, or you got the uh, sufficient grant money through tomorrow, and you could start rebuilding or yeah, redoing the loft properly? It's on a in a low lying part of town. I mean, how would you be able to do that with confidence? Well, the only confidence would be that there'll be another flood. So, yeah. So look, the the insurance thing. I mean. We're all just waiting on rejection letters, um, which is just like rubbing salt in in the wound, to be honest. And they call you and they ask questions, and then they send hydrologists out and and all this sort of thing. And it's and it's painful and it's emotional and it's really it yeah it makes you quite angry. Um, but ultimately, they'll come back and say no. So that's that's fine. Um, the government stuff, if that came through and we were able to, um, you know, with with the addition of government grants and, and our own funds, if we were able to get back into business, would we do it? Um, I think I think people would be within their rights to not do it um, because the reality is it's a bad decision. Like, it's crazy. If you put it on paper, you know, it doesn't pass the pub test. Um, there's going to be more floods. 
there's always a bigger flood, so they say. Um, you know, for my my situation personally, you know, I'm I'm without income. Um, I've spent eight years, you know, investing and uh, in in the businesses and building a lot of goodwill. You know, up until a couple of months ago, they they were valued well for for small businesses. Um, and so, you know, walking away is a pretty tough pill to swallow. Um, and walking away to go and, you know, potentially go and get a job. Um, yeah, that's it's a bit of a, I don't know, people that work for themselves. Yeah, it's it's not um, it's it's not why we do it. Um, so, you know, if if we're able to to receive some assistance in in the rebuild, I think that we will um, one by one try and reestablish the businesses. I don't think they'll ever be the same. Um, like we, yeah, you know, all the businesses in Lismore um, had very thorough flood plans. And we all executed those flood plans. Like we went through the 2017 flood, like a lot of my peers around town. Um, you know, we, we went home on the Sunday night, patting ourselves on the back, thinking we've got this. You know, we're, we've, we've lifted everything above the one in a hundred year flood level. Um, with the stuff that we couldn't lift, we've got out. You know, we're... We're on track for coming in. We'll lose a few days' trade. We'll hose everything out. You know, sure we'll have a few losses here and there, but and we'll get back into it. Yeah, we we couldn't have foreseen a flood that was three meters higher than the one we had, um, you know, five years earlier. So, you know, if we go back into business, um. It'll be very different. Um, the equipment that we'll that we'll use will have to be more compact, more movable. You know, the, the furnishings will have to be um, harder and <laughs> you know more washable. Um, and perhaps that we, you know, we go back into business just with that part of the expectation of of what we're going to have to deal with in the future, and we update our flood plans. Um, and we try and try and re-establish some income, try and re-establish some employment for the team. You know, it's hard to think we'll ever get the thirty, you know, back to thirty staff members anytime soon. Um, it's hard to even know when we'll be able to open the doors again. To be honest. Yeah, my goodness. I mean, I would bloody love for you to open, and I could come and spend some money in Lismore. That would just be. Uh, that would be a great feeling. Um, it's just, it, yeah, it's just so, I don't know, it's just so overwhelming just to hear you talk about it, just to think that you had you had it all in hand and then, you know, the water just came through and just, yeah, swept all before it. I just can't, can't imagine how, I mean, you said it at the start, it's like you just, I just can't imagine from this distance what it would have felt like to um, be so overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean... Like my partner and I, we we try and yeah, you know, we like you always try and there's sort of like survivor's guilt 
to a certain extent. So people that live on the hill, they sort of feel this guilt because they, you know, they weren't affected. They've still got their jobs or the, you know, they've got their homes or something like that. Yeah, we lost three businesses, but we tell ourselves, well, geez, at least we've got a home, you know. And we are fortunate that we've still got our home because thousands and thousands of people are homeless right now. Um, but it doesn't take away from the challenge that we personally have to undertake and and the, and the loss of our family, like our team and, you know, these relationships that we've built. So, you know, there, there is a great loss for us um, financially and, you know, emotionally and, you know, that loss of our community um, is really hard. And, you know, and, and yes, we're doing it tough. Um, you know, I've got other friends that are in business that have lost their business and their home. So they've got no income and they're paying a mortgage on a house which has to be demolished um, and they're homeless. So they're living in a caravan or they're, you know, couch surfing. So there's there's just a lot of a lot of tough tough times presently and and for some time to come, unfortunately, for the Lismore community. Yeah, well, you've certainly laid it out for us. Um, yeah, with a lot of emotion and I really I'm really grateful to you for doing that is there anything else Brad that you'd like to share with us um no look I don't know I suppose look you know the reason that we're chatting is because you're trying to bring awareness back to the issue and you know, I, I, I knew that would be at this point, not not you and I having a conversation, but, you know, uh, 2017 we got hit and the flood level was 11.6 metres. Um, you know, that was in 2017. The, the, the big flood that we just had was 14.4, so it was three metres higher. Um, after 2017, we, 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 were, we were affected, you know, extensively. But we managed to get back on our feet really quick. We were one of the first cafes to reopen. And, you know, we, we, we operated guerrilla style for months until a lot of the other cafes could open and then we, we shut down and we rebuilt and, and stuff. And so ha- having been through the experience before and, and I suppose, you know, and not so long ago, you know, the devastating bushfires along the East Coast and in other parts of Australia as well. Um, that we had a couple of years back. Like I experienced it firsthand in 2017 where there's this huge influx of, of energy and um, altruism and volunteerism and, you know, everyone coming to aid and it's amazing. You know, they say it brings the best out, you know, in, in communities and people and stuff and, and, and you do see a lot of really amazing stuff happen. Um, but after a period of time, and it's not so long, you know, those angels that come to our rescue, they have to go back to their normal life. And that's what we're starting to see now where, you know, the media moves on, the volunteers have to get back to their, 
their regular life, you know, other things happen and we're all still here and we're, and, and, and nothing's any better. You know, nothing's been solved. Nothing's fixed. You know, we haven't been able to move on. I mean, there's still people that were affected in the bushfires that are living in caravans years later, you know, unable to rebuild their homes. And, and Lismore, like, you know, thousands of homes, you know, probably a thousand businesses have all been completely devastated to the point where they'll need to undertake major reconstruction work. It's not a matter of just a lick of paint and open the doors again or move back in. You're talking, you know, recladding of walls and ceilings and rewiring and plumbing, you know, like the roads have been torn up, the footpaths were torn up by the force of the flood water. Yeah, and and as as the focus shifts away, which is probably human nature, I'm not necessarily being critical. Um, you know, we are st- still all here, and and I suppose we still we still do do need help, and we need to keep some pressure on. Uh, the decision makers to to not forget about us, which I suppose is the big worry in Lismore right now. That you know, there's an election going on. Um, the focus is being redirected. You know, maybe decisions don't want to be made or announcements don't want to be made because um, you know there's there's other things on the on the agenda. But um, you know, support needs to come into into Lismore and it's and the surrounding communities now like in a big way um and and yeah it's being held up and yeah every day that passes we seem to slip you know further into the back of people's minds and yeah so i appreciate you i appreciate you you know making making this a topic on your podcast and and trying to you know put the focus back on on businesses and you know, hospitality and in Lismore as well. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, Brad. I mean, it's, yeah, hopefully, well, I don't know what difference it's going to make, but it's definitely, I know it's going to mean a lot to people to hear your story and to be able to connect with what's going on for you. Uh, I, yeah, really hope that you guys get the support and the help ongoing that you need. But I'm really grateful to you for chatting with us today on the podcast. Um, yeah, Take care and let's stay in touch. Yeah, my pleasure, Danny. Thank, thanks, thanks to you. Thanks a lot. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.